So I'm leaving tomorrow. Uh, God willing, I'll be back. Uh, but, uh, and of course, air travel is pretty safe. Uh, but these things always make me think a little bit about, well, death. You know, there's always something, there's always a chance that can go wrong. Again, pray for me. Hopefully there nothing, will, will be nothing that goes wrong. But I've always wanted my last sermon here to be the sermon of St. John, the apostle, the evangelist, the theologian, who, as, as it was said, when he got to his sort of, uh, he lived to be quite old, and, and when he got to old age, the only thing he was able to say, but, but the, sort of the, the short sermon that he gave to his, 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 uh, um, his congregation was, little children love one another. So this is my little children love one another sermon. It's going to be a little longer than that, uh, uh, just in case. Today we celebrate the fathers of the first six ecumenical councils. And it's, it's interesting that we're celebrating the fathers of the first six ecumenical councils when, as you, as you all know, uh, the Orthodox Church often considers itself the church of these seven ecumenical councils. Or if you like continue on, there's some who will count them as eight or nine uh, various councils that we might consider ecumenical. Uh, but this testifies on the one hand to the uh, antiquity of the feast. So this particular feast day was inaugurated before the Seventh Ecumenical Council uh, happened. So, and and I, I don't want. Well, I don't want to focus so much today on the feast or on that particular detail. I, what I do want to draw out from that detail is that the work of the church is never finished. It might have been that at that point they felt like, okay, well, we just finished the Sixth Ecumenical Council, and after the Sixth Ecumenical Council, they had the so-called uh, uh, Council of Trullo or the Quinisext Council, the, which kind of brought both of the uh, uh, Fifth and Sixth Councils together in a nice, neat, tied a kind of a nice, neat bow on the whole thing, and they might have thought, okay, we're done, we're done now. <clears throat> kind of resolved everything, we've kind of ordered all of the councils, uh, 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 all, all of the canons of the various councils uh, in, this, in this very impressive document at the Council of Trullo. Uh, it's all established, we're, we're done. But of course, they weren't. There was the Seventh Ecumenical Council yet to come, and, uh, which was precipitated by the most, probably the most difficult uh, and, 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 and hurtful episode in the life of the church up until that point, the whole iconoclastic controversy uh, in which, you know, there were church people martyring other church people. Uh, uh, it, it was horrible. And so you had the seventh and so on. The church's work is never finished because the church is us. We are the inheritors of the tradition that has been handed down from by Christ to his apostles and from his apostles to well, every generation that has come down until our time. And if, God willing, we are not the last generation, it is our job to pass this tradition on to the next generation, unchanged and faithful to that which has gone before. The doctrine that the church teaches us is important because it is foundational to everything that we do. St. Paul says to the apostle, to, to Timothy, who is also an apostle and a bishop, um, uh, that, that uh, watch your life and your doctrine closely, for by these 
you will save both yourself and your hearers. So today what I want to focus on is the epistle reading. The epistle reading, the first one anyhow, was from Romans. And Romans is well known as Paul's most systematic expression of his theology. And the point at which we dive in is the point at which he's, he's just finished expressing all of that theology. But he's not done yet. Why not? Because while theology is foundational, theology is what everything else is built on, our understanding of who God is, our understanding of the universe, our understanding of our place in it. Uh, we need to establish those things and to act on them. And that's the key. Why are we establishing all these things? Well, we need to, first of all, because they're true and we care about the truth, but more importantly, because we are called to live out the truth. We are called to live the truth of the gospel. And so, Paul, in this letter, as in every, every other letter that he ever writes, he begins with theology, but he ends with praxis, the practical job of us just putting all of this stuff into practice. And we can see the connection here if we back up just a little bit before the part of the epistle reading that we, that we heard. He says, I beseech you, therefore... Therefore is there because it references all the previous theology that Paul has just been teaching. I teach you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And there's so much theology just in that one tiny little verse. He beseeches us that we present our bodies as living sacrifices. How would we do that if we didn't have a sacrificial system? How would we do that if we didn't have Christ on the cross as our sacrificial lamb? How would we know what to do? But we have these things. This is our heritage. This is the theology of the church that has been handed down to us. And so we know that as we lay down our lives, as we lay down our rights, our prerogatives, and, and just sacrifice ourselves, live in a way with our bodies that is self-sacrificial, that God will bless that, that God will in fact give us this resurrection life that we need in order to do this. And he says then, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The world around us doesn't know this, and that's okay. I mean, it's, it's sad. That's why we, we want to share what we have, but it doesn't know this stuff. And that's why we have to be careful about the mental influences that we have. The world is all about giving us all sorts of influences on the way we think, on what we value, uh, whether that be through advertising or movies or, or just the news or whatever else. Uh, it, it, it wants us to think a certain way. And Paul says here, do not be conformed to that way of thinking. Be transformed 
by the renewing of your mind. How do we renew our minds? Well, metanoia, repentance. We have to continue repenting. We have to continue bringing our minds into subjection to Christ, as Paul says. In another place, bring every thought into captivity to Christ. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. Because, let's be frank, the church is not you as an individual. The church is us as a body. Now, even as we don't think too highly of ourselves, we do need to think of ourselves uh, soberly as God has dealt to each one of us a measure of faith. We need to think of ourselves, so it's not, this is not about putting ourselves down or denigrating ourselves. No, this is about thinking of ourselves rightly. How do we think of, of ourselves rightly? We are all members of one body. And each of us is unique, created by God to serve the other members of the body. Every single one of us brings a personality, a gift, uh, a set of talents that is given to him and her by God for the upbuilding of the rest of the body, for ministering to the rest of the body that is the church. What is our job, our purpose? Our church purpose is to fulfill what we were meant to become by serving one another. Having then, and here we dive into where we pick up where, where the, the reading picks up. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads be, uh, with, with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Whatever your gift, your job is to do it with all of your being. Your job is to be who God has made you to be. And he's given you all the talents, all the gifts that you need to do that. It's your job, it's our job, simply to do that. And, and if, if our job is to, is to serve other people and ministering to them, then do it diligently. Do it without hypocrisy. Do it lovingly. Do it well with goodness. This is why he, he concludes this section with, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. We need kindness. It's so easy to be rude, nasty, disrespectful to one another, even in jest. 
But there's a hurt that comes with that. Paul, what call, but Paul calls us to do is to be kind to one another, affectionate to one another, with brotherly love, in honor, giving preference to one another. It's so important to not simply be kind to one another. It's like, okay, well, I'll be kind to this person. You know, this person's really annoying. <laughs> but no, to actually give in honor, give preference to the other person, honor the other person, look for what is good in them, prefer them to yourself and to your own desires. Not lagging in diligence, because this is all hard work. We need to continue in diligence. Be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Why are we doing this? Because this is our service to the Lord. As the Apostle John says, no one can claim to love God whom he has not seen if he does not love his brother whom he has seen. Our job is to serve the Lord by loving one another, by serving one another. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. This is going to be difficult. As soon as he says rejoicing in hope, he moves on to patient in tribulation. There are going to be challenges here. It's not all going to go right all the time. Which is why he says, you know, continue steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints. We need to know one another's needs. Give into hospitality, have people over. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Because as they say, it's not all going to go smoothly. <laughs> we're, we're going to need to have this resolve in our toolkit, that we, when we are persecuted, when we are unjustly accused, when we are misunderstood, when, when, when somebody just like can't leave us alone, our job is not to get angry. Our job is rather to bless. Paul goes on, and I'll, I'll just give a couple more things here from, from it. He goes on with this practical stuff for even, even longer, but he says, um, be of this, uh, rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard to good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. And I'm going to skip over a bit. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear witness, bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Little children, 
love one another.